Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. A key to living right in a world that's wrong is faithful following of Jesus Christ wherever he might lead. To be full of faith. He's looking for faithful followers and followers who follow faithfully. Just one foot in front of another. Whatever might come. It's so vital that we're people of prayer, leaning on the Lord, abiding in Him, and asking for the calmness of God in the midst of the most extraordinary circumstances. This is amazing grace. It's time once again for Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will join us in just a second as we dig deeper into Daniel. Today we find Daniel in a lion's den, and not for wrongdoing, but rather for doing what's right in God's sight. But it's interesting to observe that he maintained a steady calmness and trust in God through it all. Pastor Ed will encourage us to do the same, whether we're in a fiery trial or devastating den. We're in Daniel chapter six. They came against Daniel legislatively. It's the same thing that's happening in our culture today, right now as I'm speaking. The laws are changing all around us, but things that the Bible clearly prohibit are being redefined and legislatively approved by whatever new government there is. Now the sin of homosexuality is known as an alternative lifestyle, pressuring the culture to accept it. Adultery is known as having an affair. Abortion is just a woman's choice. Drunkenness is another disease. And I'm convinced in my lifetime as a pastor that I will be accused by someone for stirring up hate or being someone that hates people because I call a behavior sin based upon the Word of God, not just an alternative lifestyle or a choice. Or We were talking about this just before service, the pastors. We had a quick meeting before service, and we were talking about the great burden it is to carry as we're ministering to broken people. It's a painful thing to walk through the consequences and the destruction of sin. It hurts. When I watch a family disintegrate, when I see kids go sideways, when I see the consequences of bad, sometimes it didn't happen here that somebody shows up here and we're dealing with the consequences of of this repetitive behavior and, and what a painful thing it is. When I teach a Bible study and I warn you against sin, I'm not trying to pontificate. I'm not trying to stand above you like I'm above sin myself. It's almost like my heart is to plead with you to agree with God or you'll ruin your life. You'll ruin your life. It will destroy your life. You're like, well, wait, how do you know? Because I see it on the, I, I, I see it on the authority of God's word. And for many years, I lived under the pain and penalty of unconfessed sin before I was born again. 
and it just destroys your life. It destroys your kids. It destroys your family. It destroys relationships. It has a long-term consequence. Some sins, the consequence will be with you until you meet Jesus face to face. Yes, God will forgive sin. And yes, God can restore. And yes, God can do a great thing. But don't experience the great things of God by going the route of sin. Like if you can avoid it now, please avoid sin. And it's not because I hate people that are caught in sin. It's not because I hate people that are involved in a lifestyle. I've dedicated my life not because of hatred, but because of love. Because I want you to experience the love of God, your creator. Like any good parent, you're going to warn your kids from something that would hurt them. You're not going to wait for them. You're not going to stand there and wait for them to stick their palm on the flat stove that you have. You're not just going to sit by the edge there on the doorway, leaning over and going, well, it's almost there. It's almost there. He's going to learn his lesson. He's going to learn his lesson. No, you're going to teach, and you're going to warn, and you're going to teach, and you're going to warn, and you're going to even set up safeguards. You might even get one of those rails and block off the doorways to keep your kids away from the stove. And you can, you know, your kid's probably not thinking of the stove. You go, why are you putting this up here? My cookies are over there. I want my cookies. I want my cookies. And you have a bigger picture. You say, no, no, no. That's up there. I'm, I'm not even concerned about the cookies. There's danger in there. And you're not old enough to understand how to navigate. So I'm going to help you. And as we find in our culture this legislative press and push to conform, I think pastors have made great errors to rely upon the law in order to teach the Bible. And I'll give you a great example of that. Just not even a few years ago, if someone asked about using marijuana, smoking a joint, popping some marijuana in a brownie, and they came to a pastor... Not necessarily here, and definitely not to me. I didn't use it this way, but it was a common argument. Don't have marijuana because it's illegal. And that was the matter. You didn't take the time to explain it's a gateway drug. You didn't take the time to explain what the Bible says, not to be drunk with wine, but, which is in excess, but to be ye filled with the Holy Spirit under the control of the Spirit. Not some, you didn't take the time to explain a biblical narrative. It, it's it's going to lead to something worse. It, it's, they don't even know how bad it is for your body yet. Like all of those, they, you could give them all. It was just, no, don't do it because it's illegal. And usually that was enough for people and it was illegal and they didn't want to go to jail and, and that, that was enough. But to me it wasn't enough because there should be a biblical answer for what we say. Because what happened in our grand old states? It's not illegal anymore. It's promoted. And I haven't seen the numbers recently, but I'm certain that it's a high level of income for our government. Taxable income. I was reading just recently that marijuana was legalized in Chicago and Illinois, and they ran out. The demand was so great. They ran out. And we need to learn, church, how to explain the love of God when it relates to sin. And part of that is learning, like Jesus, not to take the first step or the second step with condemnation, with looking down our nose at people, instead remembering where we came from, how hopeless. And maybe it wasn't you personally because God gave you the strength and the, the testimony. You have a strong testimony yourself, not because you were in sin, but because God gave you the power to avoid it. And that's a strong testimony. 
Unfortunately, guys like me, I have another type of testimony that I think is equally strong, and that's the delivering power out of sin. You have, some of you have a testimony of the delivering power from sin, but my testimony is the delivering power to be delivered from the power of sin because it had its clutches on my life. So who am I to look down at someone that's under the clutches of sin today? I don't. I don't want to look down at you at all. You might be here today. That's your testimony. And you're like, well, you know, I'm in another church and they're just going to preach at me. And you know, he mentioned one of the things I'm involved in and, and now he thinks he's better than me. I don't think I'm better than you. But I do know this. Jesus Christ died to deliver you from the lifestyle that you're in right now. He died to sober you and give you a clear-headed mind. He died to help you navigate some of the feelings that you have and the confusion that's in your mind. He died so that you don't have to be under the influence of any substance just to get through the day, just to get through the pain, just to get through the sorrow, that God is able to encourage you and strengthen you from the inside out. And I, I understand and I acknowledge the battle that's there. And, and it, you know, the world can call it a lifestyle. The world can call it a choice, a disease, or whatever. But the Bible calls it a sin. And until you agree with the Bible, you'll never see your need to ask for the forgiveness of that sin. You'll never see the need. And as long as I'm in the pulpit, I will call sin what it is as God describes it. And I always paint the picture, I hope, of sin and the remedy for sin. I have never to this day in the years that I've, uh, uh, that I've visited a doctor, I've never met a doctor that diagnosed me and told me to leave. This is your problem? I'm sorry, my time's up, it's lunchtime. Never. I never met a doctor that did that, never met a dentist that did that. Here's your problem, see you later. They've always diagnosed it and gave me a way to see it healed. And I think every true pastor will do the same thing. Yeah, sin's nasty. It's destructive and it's horrible and it's harmful and it destroys. But you'll see in a moment that not even legislation is going to hold back the will of God in Daniel's life. Notice with me now in verse 12. So they went straight to the king and they reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law for the next 30 days? Any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. And it is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, and by the way, remember, just for context, that 90-year-old man from Judah, the old guy Daniel, he's ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel, but he spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. So while it's predictable, their, their plot worked, their plot happened in the physical realm, and of course, many of you that grew up in church, you know the Sunday school story, Daniel's going to get cast into a den of lions. But before he goes, the, call, the king is going to call him to himself. Notice, verse 15. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, your majesty, you know, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. And the king is overwhelmed. He has a relationship with Daniel. He loves Daniel. 
He's entrusted Daniel to the, one of the highest levels of leadership. This, you'll recall that the transition between kingdoms, this is unheard of. Daniel lasted among kingdoms. He didn't, um, he, it, wasn't, it was more than, like in, in our system of government, it was more than just a, a, a person from a Democratic uh, or a Republican party in one office carry over to the opposite office. This was far greater. This was from kingdoms, Daniel's integrity and his reliability and the love of the king for Daniel was clear, but he couldn't alter the law. It was established. And we see that the king in verse 14 was deeply troubled. And why does the Bible include verse 15? Sometimes we miss these little things as we go through the text. But remember back in chapter 2, the vision, the metals weakened in strength. Remember the vision? The metals weakened in strength as you move down the image. And the Medo-Persians and their form of government was weaker than the Babylonian form of government. And so there's just this little statement in verse 15. You know, there's no way uh, in, in the evening they reminded him, your laws can't be changed. Now, in verse 16 it says, so at last the king gave the orders for Daniel to be arrested, thrown into the den of lions, and the king said, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. A stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. And so with great anxiety and fear and hopelessness, the king is awake all night, pacing, worrying. And Daniel will notice in verse 19, very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And check this out. We just read it like no big deal. Daniel answered, long live the king. <laughs> My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me. For I have, found in, I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. Daniel, in the lion's den, and their mouths were closed. I wonder if the king expected to hear Daniel. I wonder what was happening. I wonder what, if it was just a human thing or it was a spiritual thing. Or if he would look, would he hear a groan? Would he hear a grunt? Would he hear roars of the lion? But the answer was sure. Daniel was alive. And the first thing out of his mouth is, long live the king. A very unjust, a very horrible thing happens. And there is an affirmation of the man and the government that God placed over Daniel. Because he believed in the God that overruled governments. And he experienced it. This is just the super, I mean, this is overwhelmingly supernatural to be in a lion's den. I mean, that's just like, I don't know if you saw the, the uh, meme, or it wasn't even a meme, it was a little video of a kid standing there at a zoo, and the, he was there at the glass. I don't know if you guys saw that. We should have brought it up and showed it. And he's a little kid, and mom's, uh, somebody's filming him, a little kid there, and there's a tiger behind him, kind of crouching, and he's moving up, and then he leaps at the kid and hits the window. And the kid doesn't know what's going on, and it was like, wow, he captured that and showed it to him one day at his wedding or something. 
say, look at this, that how ferocious the, the animals were, and yet God was faithful. And Daniel rested in the will of God. I don't really think anyone listening to me will ever be thrown into a lion's den and happen to see what Daniel is experiencing here. But there is a lot of roaring around us to try to destroy our peace, our comfort, our joy. You may have today people going after you, just trying to ruin your life, ruin your reputation. They want your job. They want your car. They want your house. They want you, whatever it might be. Sometimes you don't even know the motives. They're being used as a, as a tool of the enemy to discourage you and hurt you and harm you. And yet, like Daniel, you can face the lions. You can face the lions. You can trust God. A key to living right in a world that's wrong is faithful following of Jesus Christ wherever he might lead. To be full of faith. He's looking for faithful followers and followers who follow faithfully. Just one foot in front of another. Whatever might come. It's so vital that we're people of prayer, leaning on the Lord, abiding in Him, and asking for the calmness of God in the midst of the most extraordinary circumstances. Notice in verse 23, it says, the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Or in the New, New King James it says, Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. One of the reasons why we gather together is be reminded of the faithfulness of God. One of the reasons we gather together midweek is why? Because you made it through the day. You made it. Here you are. Rejoice in that. You made it through today. Just rejoice in the faithfulness of God. We just kind of take it for granted. And you, some of you feel like, I just made it here. You made it. And you go, some of you are yelling at me right now online. I didn't make it, Ed, but you're online. <laughs> Maybe you're listening to this on Thursday on a podcast, but you made it into the Word of God. And that's yesterday you made it. And the day before you made it. And maybe on Monday you didn't know. Maybe Sunday you didn't know. I don't think I'm going to make it. But here it is three days later. Still making it. Step by step. Yeah, we haven't been thrown into the lion's den, but he comes out without a scratch. He comes out without a scratch. He comes out without a scratch. Some of you can't even play with your kitty cats without a scratch. Without a scratch. The mouths of the lions were closed, and I believe God will close the mouths of the lions that you're facing. I believe it. I've experienced it. Sometimes when we're in the midst of a lion's den on our own, if we react frantically and out of emotion and out of control, we'll miss the opportunity that Daniel didn't miss. We'll miss the opportunity to see his testimony strengthened by the lions not weakened by him freaking out. And we would understand. I don't know that anyone here would go, Daniel, Daniel, it's okay, bro. Freak out, man. Glad it's you and not me. Like, of course. Of course, the, the circumstances, they cause us to respond emotionally, but yet God will keep you in perfect peace, those that trust in him. 
And so it becomes a matter of faith and trusting God. And his testimony came without a scratch. Not a scratch was found on him because he believed. that. Why was it? It's, it even gives us the reason in verse 23. Why wasn't a scratch found on him? Because he trusted in his God. <laughs> it encourages me. I want my faith to grow. And I recognize that part of the growth of faith is facing some lions. And we forget that our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So much greater, so much grander. He is the God who created and sustains all things. He's the God that works all things together for the good, for those that love him. And so here you are going into the fiery trial, into a devastating den, and you're scared, and you're wondering, and you're unsure. Know this, your belief and your behavior are connected. And when you enter in by faith, then you'll have a peace in the midst of the storm. We associate many times peace with the absence of the storm. I mean, that, that's not a bad thing to pray for. Who wants to be in a storm? Who wants, I was just meditating on it this week. You know, we're in the midst of something crazy, midst of something hard, overwhelming. We're crying out to God. We're pleading with God, take it away, take it away, God. I can't handle it. And yet, that situation has brought you closer to God than you've ever been in your whole life. And you're actually asking for God to take something away that has made you a stronger, more faithful, trustworthy believer who's been closer to God in the last three years than you've ever been in your whole life. And as you grow and mature, you begin to learn to embrace the moment and live in the moment, abiding in Christ. Oh, sure, nobody wants to be in a place where you just throw it on me, give me more trials, I want to grow. But when they come, we learn to trust in God. And I love this. It all turns around, right? Verse 24, if you wait long enough, if you endure long enough, it'll turn around. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who maliciously accused Daniel. Oh, it did it come out? Did the truth come out? You bet it did. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. You know why? Your sin always affects those closest to you. It's never only you. It always affects those that are close to you. And the lions leaped on them, it says, and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. That's the kind of lions that Daniel was sleeping with and hanging out with. Maybe going, here, kitty, and starting to name them and, you know, this one and, you know, know their personalities and train them. And <laughs> King Darius sent a message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the whole world. Peace and prosperity to you, verse 26. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth, and he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and during the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And so the life of Daniel inspires yet another world leader to declare the goodness of God to the known world at the time. It is, it is one of the reasons I believe in the New Testament that God asks us to pray for those in authority, everyone in authority, whether you like them or not, whether you agree with them or not, because from their place of authority, they can become a mouthpiece to the truth and the goodness and the graciousness of God. And so we're to do that. And faithful followers living, following faithfully, people of prayer, leaning in and leaning on the Lord brings a steady calmness in our lives. I love this. It's so good. 
so good and so timely. I'm sure many of you would agree that in many respects, it feels like Christians have been thrown to the lions here in 2020. But through it all, like Daniel, we are to trust God no matter what comes our way. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. You just heard part two of a message called Threats Only Make Me Worship More. Stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com if you'd like a replay. Or listen to Abounding Grace through our app. Just search for Calvary Aurora and download that today. And we also have a book we'd like to get into your hands that can help you live by God's abounding grace. It was written by Max Lucado, entitled In the Grip of Grace. Maybe you had a dad like I did that would love to toss you in the air and catch you. We knew dad would always catch us with his loving hands. Well, in the grip of grace, you'll be reminded that our Heavenly Father always caught us and still does. Maybe it's time for you to jump off the cliff of self-sufficiency or leap out of legalism and land right into the strong arms of a God that loves you. Allow Max Lucado to encourage you in that direction as you read In the Grip of Grace. Request a copy when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. We're here to serve you at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. All right, we'll put a bookmark where we left off today in Daniel. Join us next time for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, as there is so much more to come. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.